The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Clerical Conversations on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Matthew Gaskin, and on this episode, I'm joined by His Lordship Bishop Donald Sanborn of Most Holy Trinity Seminary, Brooksville, Florida. We're going to talk about Brexit and the Orlando mass shooting. Hello, my Lord. Thank you for joining us. Nice to be here. So this show, we would like to talk about two recent events in the news The first is Brexit, and the second is the mass shooting that occurred in Orlando, Florida. Could we please talk about Brexit first? How should Catholics view Brexit? Is is there anything particularly significant about about Brexit for Catholics, or is it simply a political event? I wouldn't call it merely a political event for this reason, that there has been, uh, ever since the time of the French Revolution, uh, the Illuminati, even before the French Revolution, a call for the United States of Europe as a, a pilot, so to speak, for a one world government under obviously the naturalistic principles of the Illuminati and all of the principles of the French Revolution. And the European Union had a, a more approximate birth uh, or idea in, in the socialists after World War One, the socialist dreamers after World War One called for again this European Union, the United States of Europe, whatever you want to call it, with these uh, uh, very, very idealistic and naturalistic ideals concerning world peace. Uh, if you remember, Woodrow Wilson said at the Treaty of Versailles that Christianity has failed to give world peace, and now it is up to uh, the essentially the atheistic, naturalistic forces to ensure world peace. And as we all know, they, they fell flatly on their faces, or flat on their faces, I should say, uh, with World War II. They did not do anything to prevent it. The League of Nations was... Uh, one of the instruments of this dreamy socialistic world peace movement and and it it was just a total failure and we see that in the United Nations as well which has existed since the 1940 uh, late 1940s uh, established principally by two communists Alger Hiss and Mrs. Roosevelt and it too has had these naturalistic ideals and has fallen flat on its face. It is a useless organization. All it does is collect money and spend it on the diplomats who are living very high lives in New York City uh, from all over the world and and who can park wherever they want, by the way, with their diplomatic plates. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really all it, it's a self-serving eating machine that collects money and does nothing. Mm -hmm. so the European Union was another function of this, this socialistic and naturalistic idealism. So in that sense, it's not purely a political event. It's, 
It's not like the secession of the southern states from the northern states or the United States of America back in 1861. That's a purely political event and really doesn't concern religion as such. Uh, but the, the attempt to organize the world without Christ is a religious event. Pope Pius XI wrote his encyclical on Christ the King because he saw this tendency toward a naturalistic peace. And his, the motto of his reign was the peace of Christ in the reign of Christ as an antidote to the naturalistic and socialistic ideals that we just spoke about. We'll go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I voted out. I, I, I voted to leave. It seems to me that Americans may not know an awful lot about what goes on in the, uh, in the European Union, but for the West, particularly the Anglosphere, to go around sort of preaching democracy and trying to spread it around the world, they could at least practice it. A lot of Americans will not realise that the elected representatives uh, who go to the European Parliament have the power to neither propose nor amend nor repeal any laws. That power is given to unelected bureaucrats that are appointed by the member states' governments, and there is no source of recourse to them. You can't go to them. The only person you can talk to is your elected representative, and they have no power to do anything about anything. Yes, that does not surprise me, because democracy really uh, has its origins in, in placating populations and making them think that they have some role in government. And in fact, they don't. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in any kind of democratic uh, institution. Uh, but they think they do, and they, they, uh, it, it's, it's usually a, an optimate class, an aristocratic class, I mean, when I say aristocratic, chosen, uh, chosen few that runs uh, a large republic or a large democracy, and then the, the press is their, is their prostitute servant Mm -hmm. and uh, puts out to, to the people what they ought to think, and most people think what they hear on television or the radio and other media. That's really the way it all works, and uh, it, it is a sham. What you're saying to me about how the European Union works uh, in, a, in that same elitist manner does not in any way surprise me at all. Aristotle says that republics always devolve into oligarchies mm -hmm. because they are too difficult to manage. That this, it's a government that is so large uh, uh, that it cannot uh, function well and that decisions are made by an elite and then approved by the, the Republican system in the sense that the, the system of representatives and the, that bulky assembly, mm -hmm. uh, it is merely uh, stamped by that uh, after the elite have chosen what they, what they should do. That's, that's Aristotle. He was living in the 300s BC, so he had little use for republics. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, the, the idea of republics and democracies were impossible before the media. Mm -hmm. Public opinion through the media became popular in the 18th century, and that's why uh, you, you had this rise of, of democracy in the 18th century of the French Revolution, and then it, it, there, there was a lull for the first part of the 19th century, and then it blossomed again in the latter part of the 19th century. And in, in Versailles, that is in the, in the treaty, I should say Paris, because the, really it was the Treaty of Paris in 1919 to 
bring uh, the the First World War to an end, democracy was extolled as this wonderful thing uh, that we have brought down the monarchical empires and now democracy is going to save the world. As we have seen it, it has not saved the world at all. The, the, the 20th century was, has been a, a century of war and the 21st century uh, doesn't uh, portend to be any different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's uh, always funny, isn't it? We're always told that religion is the source of all wars, yet ever since the secular powers came into power. Yes. Uh, Churchill have... said something interesting. He said, up to now we have seen the wars of monarchs. Mm-hmm. But when the wars of peoples occur, you're going to see some very, very terrible wars. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing him. He probably said it with the most wonderful eloquence. I have absolutely no regard for that man at all. Uh, but he did say things very eloquently. Mm-hmm. I'll say that for him. He had some natural wisdom. He did. He did that. have some natural wisdom, <laughs> yes. I, I certainly voted out. I took a lot of flack. I, I wrote a lot of stuff publicly on sort of social media channels. Um, and I took a lot of flack from a lot of people who didn't like what I was saying. It was a fairly close run thing, 52% to 48%. The difference now is, uh, the thing that's sort of changed in the last week, is that the main front runner in the race to be the new uh, prime minister, the main front runner who was a, who was a Eurosceptic, who led the, the lead campaign pretty much, has said he's not going to run for a Conservative Party leader. Mm-hmm. And so then elect somebody else, possibly a Europhile. And they're already saying, well, actually, the government doesn't have to do anything. It's not binding. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to actually leave if we don't want to, if the government doesn't think it's the right thing to do. So sort of two points there. One, they don't really care what the people think in the first place, which we've mm-hmm. already talked about. Mm-hmm. And number two... What's the point in having a referendum? What's the point in in having uh, in preaching this false opinion that authority comes from the people to the government? Yes. If you then don't follow it through. Yes, it's a, it's an absurdity. Uh, the the whole thing was meant to be a coronation of the European Union, and it backfired on them. Uh, it, it it gave an unexpected result. Uh, they went to bed that night thinking that the European Union will, would be anointed the next day by the referendum. And in that case, the referendum is the voice of the people, mm-hmm. see. But uh, because there had been polls giving four or five points uh, to to remain, at least the ones that I saw, it was mm-hmm. pretty strong. And so they all went to bed that night thinking, oh, well, this is this is wonderful. Meanwhile, I was over here, of course, five hours behind England, so uh, I was able to watch some of the late night activity going on in England uh, on my iPad. And uh, I was basically depressed about it myself, figuring that all political movements, any kind of political question always goes the wrong way. Mm -hmm. That anybody with common sense and decency always loses. And therefore, this will lose because it's, it is for common sense, decency, and conservatism, and anything that, you know, is, is to be hoped for. So I thought, oh, this is a waste of time. And so I, but I watch it, and the BBC had this uh, wonderful map of the United Kingdom with all of the voting districts. And, and I'm starting to see, little by little, these blue things popping up particularly in England. They, they, Scotland went completely yellow, which mm-hmm. means remain, and Northern Ireland was uh, was more or less divided. 
But uh, despite all that, England and Wales were coming up more and more blue. And that meant, that meant uh, uh, to, to leave. And so I thought, oh, this might just, you know, who knows? So anyway, I was watching this on <laughs> for a few hours. And finally, at about hour midnight, which is 5 a.m. in the United Kingdom, the BBC predicted a leave victory. And I thought, oh, this is going to really set things off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then I, I went to bed. And uh, sure enough, I mean, uh, this is uh, 10 days later, approximately, and there was a big uh, parade in London today with all of the Remain people. They still can't get over this comments, you know, that, that they went into depressions and they were sad. Mm -hmm. They cannot get over this. It's as if England had been part of the European Union since the Middle Ages or something. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a relatively recent thing. England is as old as pre-Roman times, <laughs> it, it, it's, it goes way back. It, 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 we could say maybe its first political existence was under the Romans, all right? So Claudius invaded England. Uh, that was the first century AD, and, uh, and it, it functioned as a Roman province for a long time. And then uh, it uh, had a political life thereafter. I mean, it was never without a political life. It had its kings and so forth, uh, and, uh, but it, it is an ancient country and did very nicely on its own without having to deal with Europe. And if you look at the more modern history of, of the United Kingdom, uh, in most cases, it, it, it did pretty well without getting involved in European wars and politics, and in many cases did not fare well by, by doing so. It, Especially in the 20th century, uh, its, its involvement in the European War, uh, the First World War, really devastated England, changed it probably forever in many ways. Not only uh, did it bleed it, but also it, it emptied its coffers, it disturbed its empire. Uh, it also changed England socially, and, and uh, it was a victory for the socialists in England. It really was hasn't been the same place. It was sort of uh, the end of an era for for the United Kingdom, and it, it would have been better to have stayed out, but had given a war guarantee to Belgium, and once the Germans went through Belgium, it felt this obligation, a moral obligation, to defend Belgium from the Germans, and got involved in in, in a horrible war. We're celebrating, a celebrate, observing. Uh, the Hundred Years of the Battle of the Somme, which was a total disaster for uh, England and uh, killed so many soldiers, uh, it's not worth going into it, but uh, England suffered badly from its involvement with Europe. Uh, and then World War II, it, it gave a war guarantee to Poland, which was impossible for it to fulfill, not only from the point of view of the geography of Poland, mm -hmm but also from the point of view of the readiness of the British uh, at the time, not only from the point of view of materiel, war materiel, but also morale, that the, the English people really had no stomach for the war, as the French did not mm -hmm. have stomach for the war. And so the, it, it again, uh, even though England emerged victorious in both wars, it was a Pyrrhic victory because it, it just drained England. World War II drained England of all of its money, 
many of its bases. It had to pay the United States dearly for all of the involvement that the United States gave to England. Probably England would have succumbed to Nazi Germany had not the United States intervened and, and helped England to defeat them. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, involvement in Europe, really, what, of what good is it? Great Britain is able to make whatever treaties it wants with European countries and uh, trade treaties, political treaties, even war guarantees if it wants. But uh, to be ruled by some sort of thing in Brussels, uh, of what use is that to the British people? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really makes no sense. But again, it goes back to that dreamy socialistic ideal of creating a world, a one world. Uh, based on naturalistic principles and, and a peace without Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's why, again, it, it, it refers to and concerns religion in that sense. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to watch this story as it develops and, and perhaps do a, a show on this in the future. Yes, but I would not be surprised if somehow they repudiate that referendum. Uh, it, democracy is wonderful except when it chooses the wrong thing. I remember Bush was so happy that there was a vote in the Palestinian state. Uh, this was George Bush II. Uh, and, uh, oh, this is wonderful, wonderful. And then they chose somebody who was connected to Hamas. And then he said, oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> yeah. So democracy is wonderful uh, unless you uh, choose the wrong thing. So the wrong thing always for democracy is something conservative. Mm-hmm. Right, so if it's if it's, it's something conservative, that is wrong, <laughs> uh, and, and and so they will probably trash it. That's what they did with the referendum in California. There was a popular referendum about homosexual marriage in California, and most of the residents of California, believe it or not, I mean, liberal California, mm-hmm. voted against homosexual marriage. Oh, oh. It, well, no, that that doesn't you know it's not <laughs> binding, and and uh, and they were one of the first states to approve it. Yeah. So I, the same thing will happen to you. It I'm, will go the wrong way. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for that. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm pretty much uh, convinced that that's yes. actually going to happen. But uh, I live in hope, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, and people seem to forget that uh, you know Adolf Hitler was democratically elected. Yes, that's right. He was ninety-five uh, percent <laughs> voted for Adolf Hitler. So uh, yeah, he was a, he was a, a, the result of a democratic referendum vote. Yes, the Ja vote. Yes. We would like to remind you that you are listening to Clerical Conversations on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Matthew Gaskin, and I'm joined by His Lordship Bishop Donald Sanborn of Most Holy Trinity Seminary, Brooksville, Florida. And today we've been discussing Brexit and the Orlando shooting. So moving on from Brexit, and uh, this will will probably be a a short segment, this one. The Orlando mass shooting, what what are we to make of this? Well, you see a combination of uh, this... Uh, Islamic mania for terrorism, something that is proper to their religion, which is approved of by the Quran, no matter how much they say no. And the Quran says essentially that if someone is against Islam, you have the right to kill that person. And it says, kill them wherever you find them. Uh, there is a license to do this in the Quran. And so uh, we're, we see that this person who is worked up about uh, all sorts of things, like ISIS and, and homosexuals and so forth, and he gets it into his head that this is a, a, a worthy thing to do and that Allah is telling him to do it, I'm, I'm sure. And, uh, that, so, and then he goes and 
performs a mass murder. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the mass murder is a very grave sin. And, you know, the, uh, he chose a, a homosexual bar in Orlando to do that. Uh, the Muslims object very much to those kind of vices uh, with reason because it's against the natural law. And so he thought that sort of gives more justification to what he does. Uh, but it's wrong. You, 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 no matter how much we object to homosexual activity and so forth, it is not right to go in and shoot people, obviously. That is not the, the correct way to act. On the other hand, those people who show themselves as prideful about their homosexual tendency and activity should understand that they anger a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that that this so-called acceptance that they are trying to achieve will never really work because they are doing something contrary to the natural law. And the natural law is a very, very forceful concept in the mind Mm -hmm. that no matter how much you try to kid yourself that this is uh, okay or or that this is something that is acceptable behavior, that you will never really succeed in making that stick in your mind. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the back of his mind knows that this is something very gravely wrong and it's unnatural, it's weird. And so to to flaunt this uh, is is going to make a lot of people angry. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that they should be shot or anything, but it's going to make a lot of people angry and a lot of people take their anger out in violent ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's an inevitable result of their taunting, you might say, the, the uh, the natural law and and, and uh, repudiating the natural law, that you're going to get some people who will get very angry about it. And uh... it seems that uh, the homosexuals have complained for years that they've been persecuted and you know they've been treated unfairly by society and and yet when they have had their when they've had their vice permitted by law by by by, by man's law anyway. Um, they have come out in the most vitriolic, nasty way to try to seek out and punish those who do not approve of it, such as deliberately seeking bakers who will not bake them a wedding cake and uh, seeking venues that will not host a a so-called wedding reception. Yes. They haven't simply said, "Okay, well, we've got what we wanted now and and we'll, we'll take it lying down. No, they have actually gone further than that and tried to seek out and punish those who mm-hmm. who still maintain the position of no, we're not going to we don't think this is right, and we're not going mm-hmm. to accept it uh It's hardly surprising that as you say, my lord, that they've upset a few people yes, yes, there is a whole class of people who who find this very objectionable. And they're trying to place it on the same level as racial equality. And uh, it has nothing to do with it. Race is something that, that obviously you're, you're, you're born with and has nothing to do with your activity. It has nothing to do with your morality. Mm-hmm. Whether you're black, white, or yellow, or any other race, uh, it has nothing to do with morality. And, and they're trying to transfer all of the gains that were made in the 1950s and 60s and and up to the present time by black people into the same kind of right 
to uh, to perform uh, what they do and to 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 be accepted in this moral or I would say immoral life that they have. It's it's apples and oranges. Uh, race, yes, people should not be uh, treated badly because they belong to a certain race, but. It, this is not a question of race, this is a question of activity. It's the first time that activity has, the, the, is being the, has been the object of civil rights. That if I do something, I should be respected for the fact that I do this. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very dangerous path to go down. Mm -hmm. uh, I always say, what other prides could we have? What about the, the pedophiles? In, in the, the argument for homosexuality or homosexual acts is that the, the desire justifies the object. That is, if I want to do this, if I am inclined to do this, uh, to have sexual relations with the, uh, uh, the same sex, then that I have a right to do it because I'm inclined to do it. Mm -hmm. That's the principle behind it. It's extremely dangerous. A pedophile could say, well, I am attracted to, to having sexual relations with children and underage people. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I have a right to it. And how do you answer that? The Islamic shooter could use exactly the same right? reasoning. Yes, that, that I have this tendency. Allah is telling me to do it. Uh, I have this anger in me. I, I, it, you're, you're positing a principle that it can be devastating. Uh, and, and other forms that I always bring up, the sadomasochists, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, what about them, uh, kleptomaniacs, I mean, all of these disordered attractions. No one, I think, in his right mind would say that kleptomania is an ordered attraction, no. yet it is an attraction. And as you know, Queen Mary, George V's wife, was a kleptomaniac. They used to hide everything when she came. <laughs> uh, and... I mean, not that she needed anything, you know? but in any case, that's just a footnote. Uh, but uh, no one in his right mind would say a kleptomaniac is a person who, you know, is ordered in his in his tendencies, mm -hmm. and that that stealing things is is intrinsically wrong. I think anyone would say that. Uh, but are we going to have kleptomaniac parades? You know, you better watch your wallet or <laughs> if you go to the parade. Uh, uh, or uh, bipolar parades, you know, I don't think anyone would say that, that uh, manic uh, depression or, uh, or bipolarism is an ordered, uh, is, is psychologically ordered. Oh, I don't know, I think we should have a manic depressive, <laughs> manic depressive pride event. <laughs> I'm struggling to think what that would look like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you could go on and on and on with all the kinds of disorders, the, the paranoid, the schizophrenia, uh, <laughs> all sorts of, of disorders uh, or people that are, are criminally uh, insane where they want mm. to kill people. Mm. I mean, that's obviously a disordered attraction. Mm -hmm. And you could have a parade for them, too, and, and, and they could have their nightclubs. Well, who knows what would happen there? <laughs> but... <laughs> Then pointing out that that principle whereby the object becomes morally justified because you have the desire in you mm -hmm. is so devastating that it opens up a world that we cannot even think about. Well, in, in that case, there is no morality at all. No. It's, because there is no curb on any action. No, nothing. Nothing. And uh, so, you know, I think people sense this. They may not say it as explicitly as I did. 
but they sense it and and it causes anger in a lot of people and mm -hmm. and it and it also is offensive to religion uh being kind to people of of different races is not in any way offensive to religion if it is then you're in the wrong religion <laughs> <laughs> there's something wrong with your religion yeah. and but to be called upon to approve of activity against the natural law uh, as a civil right is something very offensive to religion. Mm -hmm. it, you could say the same thing about abortionists or any other form of immorality. Mm -hmm. Thieves. Or <laughs> it, a thieves pride event. Yes, you know. <laughs> thieves it, pride it, parade. It, why not? You know, <laughs> it, it's... It, it, so it, we're dealing with a... a a social and political time bomb with this. Mm -hmm. And I think people sense that. Uh, and I, I think you're going to see a lot more division among people in, in all countries about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would predict that, certainly in the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, my lord, well, that's, that's pretty much the end of the interview. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before we close out the episode? Don't expect too much from this world. <laughs> this world is, I always use the image of a car that has gone off the cliff and the cliff gets steeper as it goes down and, and the car smashes into now a tree, now a rock, turns over and blows up, mm -hmm. right? It's, that's what we're doing. A lot of people are, you know, they fret about the political situation in the world. Oh, what are we going to do? This is terrible. It's to be expected. If you've gone off the cliff, what are you are? What are you expecting? If you're in that car, you know you're going to crash and burn at the bottom of the hill. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so that they should look to their faith and they should uh, take joy in the things of God. Uh, but that there is nothing to hope for in the political world in which we live. Nothing at all. You just might as well resign yourself to it. Well, on that cheery night, my lord, we'll, we'll close out this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, please email questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that Clerical Conversations is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a mass, a rosary or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Matthew Gaskin. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.